I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode one of Turn on the Jets Digital Presents Draft Season. Now, you guys know my voice because we've been doing this for five, six years, right? And so the first two years that we did draft season, it was me and Jeff Lloyd who has gone on to, I'd say greener pastures, but nobody really likes to go to Ohio, but shout out to Jeff. So Jeff left and went went to go do some work for the Browns. And then Joe Malfa came and joined me for the last three years before, you know, he became a Terrapin and actually physically came closer to me. So now as we kick off season six of draft season, I am joined by the incomparable James Coons and the improbable Joe Bellick. Guys, how are you doing? Doing well, Dalvin. Good to be on here, man. Yeah. Yeah, really excited for this. Yeah, no, and I'm super pumped. And listen, I could not think – I spoke to Jeff and, and Joe uh, probably like two days ago, and I told them, I said, listen, you know, uh, draft season is about to come back, and I was like, my my new co-hosts for this season are James and Joe. And, and – Joe said, Joe was like, man, I really thought I was going to be the only Joe to ever be on draft season. But then he said that he felt that you were better equipped to handle this than him. And then Jeff, so so you, James, so Jeff follows a bunch of the TOJ writers. And he says, he was like, he goes, James is the one with those, like, that's Fuego hot takes. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's James. And so I think you... (laughs) of infamy when folks just know you by your by your twitter name so i think we're off to a really really good start um but you guys know uh you guys have been rocking with us for six years the format is simple seven rounds of draft talk uh i will be moderating uh this season's this season's version of draft season before officially handing the reins to james and joe once we get past the draft um so let's go right off the bat you know this episode is titled quarterbacks 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 let's go right to round one because our beloved New York Jets are seem like they are on a one-way ticket to the first pick in the draft, and that is that is going to mean a new quarterback for the New York Jets. Uh, there's been a lot of talk over the last month on Jets Twitter about, you know, should it be Justin Fields? Should it be Trey Lance? Should it be, you know, the boy from BYU, right? But I think we all can agree that, the number one pick has been Trevor Lawrence for about a year now. You're talking about the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. James, I will start with you for round one. You're, you're Joe Douglas. The draft is here. Are you being swayed by the talk of going with another quarterback, or is Trevor Lawrence your pick at number one? No, Trevor Lawrence is certainly my pick at number one, and I think it's worth getting into detail about why that is. Um, Justin Fields... Zach Wilson and Trey Lance are all very good prospects. And there are a lot of really intriguing traits that they have, but Trevor Lawrence is on a different level of a prospect. And the reason is this with a lot of the other guys, there are systematic problems and mistakes that they make recurring things that happen every single game that need to be fixed before they go to the NFL with Trevor Lawrence. There are no systematic problems that he has. He throws with anticipation He's incredibly accurate. He wins within the pocket, but he can also make plays off script. He's very fluent in the RPO game. He's good at using his legs. I wish he would slide more, 
But that, I'd say that is one of his <laughs> yeah. biggest um, problems as a prospect. And if you're looking at problems as a prospect to have, I think being a little bit overzealous is a good one to have. Um, and especially in comparison to the quarterback I have ranked as the number two quarterback, Justin Fields. Justin Fields is very intriguing, but he does have systematic problems. He needs to throw with more anticipation to outbreaking routes. Um, I think he also needs to do a better job of staying alive within the pocket as opposed to bailing from the pocket. And so if he gets those things fixed, he can be a really, really good quarterback. But Trevor Lawrence is on a different level where he doesn't have to fix those types of problems heading into the NFL. And that's why I think he is the better quarterback prospect, the one that we should take number one. If you if you could highlight a player comp for Trevor Lawrence, because I, I you know, we were talking about this before I before we came on. For me, Justin Fields, I thought Justin Fields' player comp was a better Dak Prescott, right? And then he had that monster game a couple of weeks ago. And I really love the fact that we are recording this after both of them have gotten quote unquote bad games out of their system, right? You alluded to this before we came on. But what is your player comp, James, for before we go to Joe for Trevor Lawrence? Who do you compare him to? Uh, as best as possible. I've heard some comparisons to Elway, right, which is high praise. You're talking about arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. I've even heard some people say a better Deshaun Watson. What's your player comp for Trevor Lawrence? Well, finding a comp is kind of difficult for me because of my age, but I would say there are a lot of things that Deshaun Watson does that remind me of Trevor Lawrence. But I think the thing that's special about Trevor Lawrence is that he's so um, well-versed in every important aspect of the game, short game, medium deep passing, running, RPO game. He's comfortable with it all. Um, so I, I, I'd say probably a higher-end um, Deshaun Watson is my comparison, but I really do think that he's um, a prospect that's that's kind of uh, the person that people are going to be looking to find players in his mold in the future. So it's difficult to come up with a comparison for him. Absolutely. Joe, now we've, we've talked about this before, where and you very much – Again, I'm going to pose the same question to you that I posed to James. You are Joe Douglas sitting in that seat. The Jets have clinched the number one draft. Could Trevor Lawrence start looking for condos in Secaucus? Or are you fielding any offers to trade the pick? What are you doing? And what are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, it's Trevor Lawrence all the way for me. I do love Justin Fields as a prospect, but he's just not quite there right now. And I mean, you know, what can I really say about um, Trevor Lawrence? I did hear this rumor, apparently, that his parents were going to name him Zeus, but they thought it would be too obvious. <laughs> He's a god, a masterpiece. I mean, the Louvre has the Mona Lisa. Well, the NFL draft has Trevor Lawrence. You know, I know it sounds a little hyperbolic, but that's, that's pretty much how high I'm, I am on this guy. I mean, he's amazing. I think the biggest gap between... Fields and Lawrence right now is really in their processing. They both understand where to go with the ball, but Fields is kind of late getting it there sometimes. He has improved so far this season, but I think I need to see more from him. Also, blitz recognition is better on Trevor's side. Fields' ability to pick up the hot read can be questioned. I've seen several times, including in the game against Indiana, but one play in particular late against Penn State that really stands out to me, Fields hiked the ball, immediately stared down the play side read, and didn't see or feel the backside obvious blitzing linebacker and got absolutely annihilated for a sack and missed the wide open guy. So I definitely have my reservations. Fields is a lot, just a much cleaner prospect. He's, I think, a lot pro ready. But at the same time, I will say this about Fields, that had they had the same level of experience on the field, had Fields been coming into his third year as well, 
I could potentially be looking at them differently because we got to understand he really only has one year under his belt and he's played, you know, a couple of games thus far. So I will give him that. I would like to, you know, reserve my final judgment till the end of the season. But right now, Trevor Lawrence is firmly in that top spot. And we were going to do a, a mock uh, draft review mm-hmm. of uh, Dalton Miller. And I almost gave him an immediate F because he picked <laughs> Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence. I mean, like, at this point, you just can't do that. And that's actually a perfect segue for round two. But before we, we go to round two, I want to ask you, player comp for Justin Fields. Because like I, like I shared initially, I had him as a higher, a better Dak Prescott. I think that I think that there are things that Justin Fields can do in the right system, right? Like, And you mentioned a bunch of his kinks. And that Indiana game, that in, in the next level, if you do not – if you do not get rid of the ball quickly, you will be destroyed repeatedly. What's your player comp for Justin Fields? You know, I like that uh, Dak Prescott comp. I think Daniel Jeremiah also said something of that nature. Um, I heard, and I like this as well, kind of a mix between Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I, I could see that. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm firmly in that grasp. I think he's really similar to Dak in the sense that, like, Dak really progressed, and I think I could see the kind of the same progression for, from him. And uh, listen, you know, obviously I love Trevor Moore, but, you know, Justin Fields is on the rise. And if the Jets, for some reason, get the number two pick, I'd be more than comfortable with selecting him, even though I might be in the minority here. I do still believe that Sam has a chance to succeed in the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's interesting because this is a good year to need a quarterback um, because I think you have four quarterbacks that win very differently. Right. I think we look at Trevor Lawrence, who is very much again. And folks, this is not hyperbole. He is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And again, when we talk about generational prospects. Right. And James, you you dated yourself by saying, you know, that you your your age. But I mean, I remember when Peyton Manning was coming out, you know, in the 90s and Peyton Manning again was everybody said he was the most pro-ready quarterback prospect that they had seen since John Elway, right? So you're talking about that. Those are the kind of, those are the kind of generational prospects that we're talking about here. And I think the Jets, if faced with the number one pick, which again, I know a lot of Jet fans, I've already seen it on Jets Twitter. Oh man, we have to go out and beat the Dolphins. And by the time you guys hear this episode, we would have found that already, right? We would have found out if they beat the Dolphins. They do not need to beat the Dolphins. They need to go and 16 secure the number one pick, and draft the kid from Clemson who, let me tell you, when Joe Malfa and I did our first season together of draft season, I was begging the Jets to take a Clemson. The fact that we are now here in 2020, and I'm asking you again to take a quarterback from Clemson is ridiculous. Uh, but let's go right to right to our second round. And, you know, as Joe alluded to, what we do here is we grade people's mocks, right? And the Jets, by the shrewdness of their general manager, Joe Douglas, and being able to get two first-round picks for a safety that is absolutely struggling in coverage in Jamal Adams this year, the Jets are armed with three of the top 64 picks right now. And keep in mind, this could change if they end up with the first pick, trade Sam Darnold. Everybody believes that they could at least get at least a two, possible to Josh Rosen offer a two and a five. But there are some people in the media who have said that they believe that the Jets actually will get a first round pick for Sam Darnold. But as of right now, they're armed three picks in the top, in the top 64 and the mock that Joe alluded to that he wanted to give him an F right away is because at the top of the draft, he gave the New York Jets Justin Fields. I do not, I, I think I can speak for all three of us where if the Jets passed on Trevor Lawrence for Justin Fields, I already like to drink. I would be very, very, I would drink a lot that night if that happened because I think that there is a significant gap. Safe to say that you guys feel the same, yes? 
Oh, I would be showering myself in Don Julio. <laughs> My boy Johnny Walker would have to pay a visit. Yeah. Because it would be um, just a really sad moment. Listen, I, like I said, I like Justin Fields. And if they pick him over Lawrence, that's, I'll give the, you know, I'd give the pick probably a C because I'm satisfied with the fact that I do like him. But it's just, I mean, it's just a ridiculous, you know, notion at this point with what we've seen from both guys. Yeah. James, do you agree? Yeah, I'm definitely in lockstep with Joe. Um, I, I, I would obviously find a way to get behind it, but, you know, it would be a tough <laughs> night trying to rationalize it. Uh, yeah. And you have the benefit of college parties, whereas Joe and I have to, you know, go out and spend hard-earned money on actual hard liquor to get through a night like that. Um, so in the with the 21st pick, which is Seattle's first-round pick, uh, this mock had the Jets finally trying to solve this long edge issue that we've seen them have a problem with and, and for, for a dec- for, for, I mean, almost a decade now, because when they signed Calvin Pace from the Arizona Cardinals to that big money free agent contract, my God, that was so long ago. And the Jets have just continued to ignore the edge position. And I think it's safe to say that whoever their new coach is, I think they should prioritize the edge, the edge rusher position, especially as we've seen Quinn and Williams take that next step from the interior, but you need to add a dog that's coming off that edge in this mock draft they they have the Jets taking quitty pay the edge from Michigan what are your thoughts on that I know for me when I was looking at the rest of the draft I said I don't know if this is I don't know if this is who I would take at 21 I think I would be hard pressed to pass on a wide receiver at this point to pair with, with Denzel Mims but James what are your thoughts on them taking the edge from Michigan at 21 and then Joe will go to you well I think it's a very realistic pick I see a lot on Twitter about how the Jets should take a receiver And while I'm definitely sympathetic to that argument, I mean, who doesn't want a more explosive offense with fun skill position players? I do have a hard time convincing myself that that is what the Jets would do based on the Joe Douglas press conferences and based on how they've spent their money and draft capital in the past. I think it's far more likely that they would invest um, this pick in edge rusher um, or an interior offensive lineman, just given how the front office has spent their money thus far uh, in their tenure. So I would say, I think this is a logical pick, particularly if Quiddy pay the Michigan edge rusher is on the board um, at this late, you know, he's currently mocked pretty uh, commonly in the top 15 right now. And obviously things could change, but I do think that if he gets into the twenties, I think the jets would be super interested, particularly given the jets emphasis on personal background and the fact that pay um, really is sterling in that area. Right. That's a good point. Joe, what do you think? Yeah. As far as the Quiddy pay pick goes, I gave it a B plus, you know, I'd love to go all offense here, just like James said, but I fully acknowledge the need to fill major holes at premium positions. And I, I expect Joe Douglas to prioritize it in that way. You know, so, you know, like, yeah, Quiddy is an amazing prospect. He may have the highest ceiling in the draft. He's extremely athletic. And apparently he ran a six, three, seven, three cone drill, which is pretty much alien-like, and maybe somebody should give him yes. a test because that's ridiculous. He's been pretty much unblockable this year. Still, I think he needs to develop from a technical standpoint and work on adding some pass rush moves, but you know, this is a solid pick. My only fear with him is that he ends up being more of a dominant edge setter than an elite pass rusher, but this is something the Jets need. Like you said, when was the last time when we all know that the Jets really had a dominant guy from the edge? It was Jonathan Abraham. I mean, what was that, like 20 years ago? Yeah. 
Yeah, that actually, I think that was before James was even born. Like that's that's how crazy, that's how long ago that is. Um, and I, I mean, I think you're right. I think when when you and James, you made a really good point about the character, right? Like folks don't like to hear this when we talk about Jamal Adams, but Jamal Adams didn't get traded. And again, these trades don't come together just at the drop of a dime. But Jamal Adams went to the media and called Joe Douglas a liar, right? Like who, what general manager, what head coach wants to deal with something like that, right? Whereas like had Jamal maybe stayed quiet right like Christian McCaffrey never complained about his deal and he plays a very devalued position he still got paid right and I think there's something to be said for coaches and general managers not wanting to deal with with prospects coming up on contracts or in the locker room who are very me 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 focus on me and that's kind of what we've seen from Jamal Adams uh in this mock the Jets had the obviously they have the 33rd pick which might as well just be another first round pick anyway because there's going to be so much action with prospects that fall they had the Jets taking Tylen Wallace wide receiver from Oklahoma State so there's the wide receiver that I would want however the pick right after this is Kyle Pitts the tight end from Florida and I listen I love Kyle Pitts I think he is a mismatch nightmare right I think that he has the chance to come in right away and contribute and I'm thinking of the best way to help your young quarterback. And we've seen this, right? It's get him a tight end, get him somebody in the middle of the field that just linebackers can't cover and the safeties are too small for. So I would honestly be super tempted to take Kyle Pitts, but I will say I've seen Kyle Pitts mocked way higher than this. So if he fell to 33, I'd be hard pressed. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I, you can't take Tylen Wallace there. If Kyle Pitts is on the board, I mean, that's crazy. You know, I like Tylen Wallace as a, a prospect. I, I really like him a lot, actually. But I'm, I'm not consider. I'm, I'm not even actually considering him at this point. For me, he's more of a late second, kind of early third guy. He's a solid prospect, though. He's got great hands. He makes contested catches. He has yak ability, and he's very tough, even as a blocker. You know, Oklahoma State pretty much runs its entire offense through him. Still, he kind of lacks that release I like to see from the line of scrimmage, and he could struggle to stack cornerbacks. So, in the end, yeah. Um, although I like the selection of a wide receiver here with people like Kyle Pitts still on the board and even I think Wyatt Davis is still available here um, on this particular mock. Right. You, know, you just can't take Wallace there. You know, no, no offense to Wallace, but just like I said, I just think it's a little early for him. Yeah. And I actually like that you mentioned Trey Smith because James, you and I have talked about Trey Smith and how the big question for him is uh, the familial history of the, of, of, of the health concerns. Right. But if he checks out, he's a guy that again, I could not see passing on Trey Smith for Tylen Wallace in this, in this position, because so he, that's a guy that will start for the next decade if he's healthy in the interior. And you put him and Beckton on the left side, running down linebackers while whoever running, whatever running back you have behind you, that's a scary sight. James, what are your thoughts on the 32nd pick and just which way would you have gone? Which way would you have gone if, uh, if you were Joe Douglas here? Yeah, well, I think both from an absolute perspective and then also a relative sense, this pick is a bad one. Um, as you mentioned, and as Joe mentioned, there are probably like three to five prospects who have consistently been mocked in mid first round who are picked after Tylen Wallace in this mock draft. You know, Wyatt Davis, Trey Smith, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Kyle Pitts, and I think there are some others too. Um, the Jets would not pass on those players to take Tylen Wallace. Um, but I also think in an absolute sense, I think Joe's evaluation of Tylen is pretty accurate. He's a really cool player to watch, but he's definitely not an early second round pick, particularly considering how strong this receiver class is. Um, and so that's why I'm definitely not a fan of this pick. Um, you know, I would much rather they go in a different direction, addressing more um, obvious and glaring needs. Um, 
So I would say overall, I'd give it maybe a C, C minus um, for this draft pick. Yeah, I think that I think I think that's spot on. I think when I saw the name, I was like, wait, I was like, look at all the talent behind him. That both is better than him. And again, that's no offense to, to Tyler Wallace, but I think that it's it's better prospects at positions of need, right? A lot of Jet fans will say, How do you take Kyle Pitts if you have Chris Herndon? I'm sorry, have you seen Chris Herndon this year? And we can't put we can't put all of that on Adam Gase. Some of that is on him. And I think I, you know, I, I heard Doe Logan saying, Well, you know, he's been he's doing what we're asking him of. Well, maybe what you're asking him to do is try. Maybe that's the that's part of the issue, but I think I think you add a weapon or an interior offensive lineman to just really drive home this this belief that like listen we are going to protect Trevor Lawrence we're going to give him weapons right and we're going to put a difference maker at edge because I think because honestly James and Joe both of you both of you said this it's logical picks if you go quarterback at one you'd go an edge or maybe even a corner at, at 21, 22. And then you go back to offense at 33. That makes perfect sense. I think that a lot of Jet fans, and again, I know I said I would want a receiver, but a lot of Jet fans are going to say, what? How dare you not give Trevor Lawrence any weapons? Folks need to realize Trevor Lawrence would be walking in to a situation much better than Sam Darnold did because Sam Darnold's left tackle was Kelvin Beecham. His number one receiver was, was Jermaine Curse, whereas Trevor Lawrence would be walking in with Big Beckton at left tackle, Denzel Mims at, at least at one wide receiver, and whatever they add in free agency. Um, so let's go right into round three. And so we wanted to talk about give you guys some not give you guys some prospects other than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields that all of us like. And I will, you know, I will kick this off because I think I want to stake my name to it now because what happens is like you do we do draft season, somebody hears it, they're like, oh man, yeah, that was my prospect. And then now I have to play the tape to remind them that it was not. I am gonna go with Kenneth Gainwell running back from Memphis. And I think that when we look back at there's been a lot of, there's been a course correction in the NFL over the last few years, right? We had that historic wide receiver class and then we had a historic cornerback class, right? And then a lot of folks are saying, well, you know what? You never take a running back in the top 10, right? But the best running back in the NFL is Christian McCaffrey who went eight, right? But you're seeing that teams can get production still from second round backs, third round backs, fourth round backs. And somebody had asked me the other day, they were like, well, would you take Travis Etienne with Seattle's pick? And I said, no, because I think I can get comparable production from Kenneth Gainwell if I take him later. And he's a guy that I think he's one of my favorite prospects. He's a guy that can come in and produce right away. And, and I do not think LaMichael P. Ryan is a feature back in this league. But if you told me that we were going into next season for Trevor Lawrence with Kenneth Gainwell, LaMichael P. Ryan, and maybe a free agent like a Jamal Williams or, you know, a Marlon Mack or something like that, like somebody to, to, to really drive home this running back by committee approach. I think that that's something that I would feel very, very good about. Joe, give us some, give us some non Trevor Lawrence, non Justin Fields prospects that you really like. Well, I'm still committed to building the offensive line. The interior has looked just really bad. I mean, to put it mildly, you know, a guy really kind of like uh, Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. I know, James, you're probably really familiar with him. I like how he handled uh, Chase Young last year. I think he's probably better built for the inside, but, you know, he could compete maybe for that right tackle spot as well at some point. Um, and again, like a guy like Christian Jarosov from Virginia Tech, I really like his use of hands and um, he's been pretty productive, especially this particular season. And I see he's like an ascending player that I might target in that in that range, as well as Samuel Cosme, who I think his comp is kind of like more like a Colton Miller. And, and the reason for this is I feel like, you know, we have George Fant, but, you know, and I like the way he's produced and, and I wrote a little bit about him prior to the season and he's, and he's a solid player. He's definitely become like what I expected him to be, 
but I don't think he's the long-term answer there at right tackle. And I know that Joe Douglas is already probably thinking about clearing that $9 million of cap space as soon as he can. So it would not shock me at all if he tried to um, find his replacement in this particular draft. Well, and I love that you mentioned, I love that you mentioned Slater because last night, Daniel Jeremiah released his offensive line lineman rankings and he had Slater ranked number one above Penix. Well, which again, really? like oh, and I'm blown away. I'm always blown away whenever I see not, not, I, when I see shifts against groupthink, because I think for the for the last year, Pede Suel has been the number one tackle on everybody's board. And to see a player like Slater, and it's funny because you mentioned this, Joe, somebody asked him, well, are they going to say that he's better inside? And Daniel Jeremiah was like, yeah, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean that that's where I would put him. Right. And so I wonder if there's a scenario where and, and honestly, you raise a really good point. Clearing the nine million dollars that George, the nine million dollar in cap space from George Fant replacing him with a guy like Slater. If, again, folks are ranking Penny Suel as number one and Jeremiah is an outlier and you add Slater at 21, let's say, now you have your left tackle and your right tackle for the next decade, right? And that's something that the Jets have not done ever, ever. They have not taken two offensive linemen in the first round, says Mangled and Ferguson, and to now go back-to-back drafts, I think that would be something that we should watch because I think when you look at Slater, I think he has... Over, over the last year, I would say, he has done himself every favor in the book by continuing to get better, right? And, and so what you're seeing with him, and it's very, it's very similar to, to Jedrick Wills from Alabama, who was the number one left tackle last year. And you saw that like he didn't hurt him. And then Andrew, well, sorry, Andrew Thomas was the number one left tackle. But Jedrick Wills did not do himself any, he didn't hurt himself during the year. And folks were like, listen, you take him, he's the better prospect. I wonder if we see that with Slater versus Suell going forward. James, give me some non-Trevor Lawrence, non-Justin Fields prospects that you're keeping an eye on. I know you don't like my man Kenneth Gainwell, but it's all right. I'm good with that. Tell me, tell me who you're, who you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, I definitely love to get into the Gainwell uh, conversation another time. But um, the two prospects I'd like to bring to the discussion are the two other cornerbacks who have been talked about a lot, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. Um, you know, the way I've ranked the top four quarterbacks is I have Trevor Lawrence at the top, then the big gap. Then I have Justin Fields and then a sizable gap. And then I have Wilson slightly above Lance. And so I just want to get into these two prospects um, because I think, God forbid, we end up with a number two overall pick. These will be some of the discussions that we will have. Um, Zach Wilson is an intriguing prospect because he's very good on the run off script. He's a very good deep ball passer. Um, He's extremely good at throwing the post route. Um, And he also has pretty nice mobility. But um, in terms of his weaknesses, I'd say his arm strength is pretty mediocre to poor. Um, relative to NFL arms. Um, He also has this kind of bizarre throwing motion, which places a lot of stress on his arm. So I think it's a valid question of whether his arm will be able to hold up uh, over the course of his career. And he also does have a pretty extensive injury history. Um, So I think those are some things to look into. Um, Now, looking at Trey Lance, even though I have Wilson above Lance, I think Lance is the prospect I would rather have long-term if he goes to a situation that can develop him. The reason is because he's very toolsy, He has a great arm. He throws with a lot of touch, which I found very impressive. Um, Kind of ironically, though, despite the fact that he has a very nice arm, he's pretty erratic throwing the ball short, um, which I do think are things that can be fixed. Um, He does sometimes miss layups like that. 
But I think one of the pros of Trey Lance that really sets him apart from some of the other prospects, including um, Lawrence, is that he's very scheme diverse. Um, this North Dakota State offense runs under center, but he also has shotgun reps. So a team that runs under center from the NFL, I think, can bring Lance in. And, and that um, schematic um, kind of difference won't be a challenge for him in the NFL. So I think those are two prospects that I'm glad we were able to sort of bring into the fold because if we end up with a number two pick, we're going to be talking a lot about them. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's go right into round four, guys. And let's, uh, yeah, and this is, again, we're going to give Jet fans some guys to watch that aren't really talked about as often, right? And And I think... We talk a lot about the the first pick, the pick from Seattle, pick thirty three. But again, if they if, when they end up trading Sam Darnold, you're talking about two other picks that are going to be that, that they're going to have, plus the pick from Leonard from the Leonard Williams trade that that'll convey this year. So I think the Jets, Joe Douglas has a lot a lot of work in front of him in terms of rebuilding the middle class of this roster because for too long, John Idzik, Mike McCagnan ignored and didn't hit on those, on those guys that make up a lot of the depth that you see in a lot of these contenders. So I will kick us off. I think for me, I think Shaka Tony is again, we talk about edge, right? And the, the, They've had him ranked anywhere from 80 to 100 on, on the top 100s. And I think that's a guy that goes towards the end of round two. I think that that's a guy that if you got a second round pick for Sam Darnold, you can absolutely take a guy like Shaka Tony if you did not add an edge rusher with Seattle's pick, right? So that's a guy that I think, again, fills a need, high character guy, good motor. And I think it's fascinating because when you look at guys that Joe Douglas will target with those extra picks that he'll get, it's going to be interesting to see, does he go for a guy like a Kerry Vincent Jr.? fill the cornerback hole because maybe he didn't add somebody early on or does he double up on positions of strength do you see him add another wide receiver there do you see him add a wide receiver to replace slot god extraordinaire Jamison Crowder who you know Jet fans want to die on those hills uh, but those are two guys that I would watch because I think Kerry Vincent Jr. and Shaka Tony are two guys that will get picked later that will absolutely have productive careers in the NFL Joe what 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 sleepers should Jet fans pay attention to that that could be taken with maybe a potential Sam Darnold pick or picks later on in the draft? Well, we were talking about sleeper picks, and it was funny. Me and James actually came up with the same guy, this guy, Elijah Moore, who's a slot receiver pretty much, has great yak ability. He's very slippery and elusive. I'll let James take the reins on him. A guy I was watching a little bit but haven't – I'm not ready to put my name on um, since we're definitely quarter, cornerback needy is a guy, Josh Joe from Alabama. He's kind of an unheralded player right now and kind of just getting his first chance to a start. Like I said, I don't really want to put my name on him right now, but I, I like his upside. He's a guy I think we should look out for, and, I, and I'm going to definitely be watching Alabama a little closer just to see how he performs going forward. James, what about you? What are some guys that are maybe standing out at you? And I know you have an anecdote to share about one of the guys that I shared, but what's uh, some guys that are jumping out at you that maybe aren't as household names? Yeah, so I'll briefly share this anecdote about Shaka Tony that I heard on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast when they were doing their summer scouting series. So Shaka Tony had to gain a lot of weight 
when he went to college. And so during the off season, um, because he's Muslim, he's fasting during Ramadan. And so he had to get up every two hours during the middle of the night to drink protein snack shakes and eat uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches um, in order to gain that weight. And so all of his roommates, it was a full team effort. Him and his roommates were waking up every two hours to get him up, to get the food in his belly, back to sleep. And he was doing this every single day during Ramadan. So I think that really speaks to his football character. But as Joe said, um, Elijah Moore, slot receiver from Ole Miss, he's really mm-hmm. good um, and very solid. I would say like the obvious strength of his game is his hands, one-handed grabs all the time. You can just see how natural his hands are. Um, I think with him too, he's great contact balance. He's pretty good after the catch, very good at getting open. He's not going to be a guy who's on all the highlight reels like Kadarius Tony, but he's a very solid player who I think is going to have a pretty long NFL career because of how steady he is. And so I think if we're looking at him in maybe the early third round, I think he's a good long-term successor to Jamison Crowther. And by long-term, James means as in 2021, because Jamison Crowder is making $11 million next year, and you should not be paying your slot receiver $11 million. Not in this NFL, not in this economy, especially with Curtis Samuel hitting free agency. Yes, guys, I will be banging the drum for Curtis Samuel for the next for the next year. Um, let's go right into round five, and this is a yes or no question, so all I need is a yes or no from you guys. Is Trevor Lawrence the the quarterback for the New York Jets in 2021? Joe, I'll start with you. Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. James? Yes. Okay, see? Boom, sustained. And people say bipartisanship is dead. Look at us. Look at us getting it done. Look at us getting it done. All right, right into round six. Uh, So typically the way you guys know we do this is that our hosts do a dream mock. First three picks that you that just absolutely you don't care what happens the rest of the way because those three picks have let you sleep soundly at night. And as you guys know, as Jet fans, when they passed on Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson for Christian Hackenberg, nobody could sleep well that night. So let's dive right in to round six. Uh, this is the dream mock. And Joe, please kick us off. What are your top three, your top the top three picks in your dream mock draft? Well, obviously, free agency is going to change my approach, you know, uh, to this Dream Act. I, I did try to keep it somewhat realistic. Obviously, I went with T-Law. Then I took uh, Florida, Florida's Kyle Pitts uh, with my uh, second pick in the first round. I'm sorry, man. I think he's an absolute freak in a matchup nightmare. To pair him up with a young quarterback, I think would just be doing Trevor Lawrence a lot of favors and this offense in general. Then I went with, uh, with my top pick in the second round. I went with Wyatt Davis. Um, I, you know, a lot of people have him in the first round. I think he is going to slip. He has had some struggles this season, but I think he's pretty much a plug and play kind of st- a starter. And like I said, the interior needs a major upgrade. Lewis and Van Roden allowing a combined, I think 43 pressures. And, you know, Davis checks all the boxes for me. Toughness, use of hands, anchor, strength, all that good stuff, including being scheme versatile. And which means he could pretty much dominate in both gap and zone run schemes. And for me, that's extremely important. Uh, my other guy is, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. I don't know if he's going to be here at the top of the third round, but I absolutely love him. Um, it's Patrick Jones. Um, he's really kind of a, a Joe Douglas kind of guy, a team captain mm-hmm. who gives maximum effort. He's got an assortment of pass rush moves, uh, solid burst off the snap, he convert speed to power, good bend, good knowledge of rush plays. I believe he's versatile enough to play both outside linebacker in a 3-4 or end in a 4-3. And so, like I do, I like I think he's got a lot of upside. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he went earlier, but I'm really high on Patrick Jones. And um, 
Now, this is the part of my draft where I think it actually becomes a serious dream because I don't know if this guy is going to be here, but he hasn't played in two years. And for the same reasons why I mentioned guys like Rashawn Slater and Samuel Cosme as possible top picks in the first round, I would really love if Walker Little from Stanford offensive tackle somehow fell all the way here. I know a lot of people even have him sometimes in the first round, which I don't see. The guy hasn't played in two years, but they're top of the third. I'd even consider him even over Patrick Jones. That's how much like, I like this guy. But again, yeah, listen, he opted out. He's got an injury. But having bookend tackles of Becton and Little on the other side uh, kind of gets me a little excited. Yeah, and it's hard, it's hard to beat setting up your O-line for the next decade because I love Walker Little. And I and I actually, in my mocks last year, I kept taking Walker Little because I was like, listen, like this, he's that good. James, give us your dream mock draft. And I know it starts with, with, with Trevor Lawrence. So start with that and then just and then take us on home. Yeah, so Trevor Lawrence at number one, pretty obvious. I think with the Seattle pick, a guy who I'd love to see them take is Jalen Phillips, who's the edge for Miami. Um He's kind of flown under the radar. He's been really good this season. Um, he was a former number one overall recruit. The concerns with him, the reason why he's not in the first round right now is because of injury and because he basically like walked away from football for like a year. Um, obviously, these are concerns that need to be addressed. But if you look at the player himself, there's no reason why he's not a first round pick. And I look forward to uh, viewers, listeners, uh, and people in the draft community kind of talking more about him as time goes on. And I guess the guy in the top of the second round who I'd love to see the Jets take is Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Olave would be a really good complement to Denzel Mims. He could play Z receiver. He's a very good route runner, very smooth, good at generating separation, pretty natural hands, not terrible after the catch. I think he would be a really nice complement to the um, emerging number one receiver that we're seeing every week with Denzel Mims. I actually really like that. I, I had Olave in my original Dream Mock and I took him out. So I think it's, that's cool that we kind of did it that way. But yeah, I think he's the prototypical Z to Mims' X. I mean, he's a guy I would love to see them pick. No, I, I agree. And, and you know who else would like that? Our TOJ brother, Michael Megan, who, who is the resident president of, of the CO Hive. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode one of season six of Turn on the Jets. Turn on the Jets' draft season podcast. DA, JK, JB, 